Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Verkart this week on the Solar Coaster. Joel Solomon, chairman of Renewal Funds, co-author of the Clean Money Revolution. Joel <laughs> Joel is a great guy. Nice job, Jay. Nice gotcha. job, Jay. This is show. Uh, this is our hundred and seventh show, I believe. That sound about right to you, Jay? And it is uh, so. with Joel. Joel, we pre-recorded the show with Joel uh, a couple weeks back. He's an amazing guy. Uh, you know, basically a impact investor, a person that's been involved with the finance world for many, many decades. Uh, successful uh, uh, fund in, in, called Renewal Funds is is his organization. <clears throat> He's also written a book. We're going to hear all about that today. Uh, just a, a, you know, I just found really exciting to be able to talk to him and, and learn more about his perspective on how to uh, support uh, meaningful organizations with, uh, you know, uh, with, with, with capital. Yeah, I mean, they're out there. They've invested more than $98 million in uh, a lot of early stage uh, companies, like more than 100, um, and it's with a specific mission to, to um generate positive uh, social environmental change. So really fantastic mission, fantastic company, and a nice guy. Yeah, we're going to hear all from him, and there's a lot going on. And uh, in the studio today, we have uh, roving reporter uh, Julia oh. Porter. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Julia. She's not roaming if she's in the studio. <laughs> she's going to be roving uh, uh, later on today. You're attending the, uh, the climate change protest. What's going on? Uh, yeah, so there's a global climate change protest happening all over the world and over... Oh, here it's in. Oh, um, yeah, it's at the the Maui College. So that's at what time today? Like at four o'clock? Uh, yeah, four o'clock. I was just pointing at that because your mouse is gonna fall off the desk. Oh yeah. So um, okay, well we're gonna hear about that momentarily, right? Very good. And um, yeah, and then we just got back from an awesome trip to uh, Europe, right, Jay? That was amazing. We did a bunch of. Uh, of course, cool why, reason why Joel's show is of course pre-recorded is because we were banking a whole bunch of stuff before we actually had to go. Uh, but we traveled all over Europe. We got to go to Intersolar, uh, visited a number of individual companies, and uh, actually got to tour the. Uh, Eater fusion reactor site, which was unbelievably cool for for me. So we should be able to put together some shows on that as well shortly, and then kind of compile some of those interviews and all those great people that we met, which we're excited. Absolutely, to do. absolutely. A lot going on in Europe, by the way. Um, I, there, I did see in the news and events when we were doing some research this morning that uh, Europe is uh, going to be. They're talking about Europe taking kind of the helm in the you know there's a renaissance of solar deployment happening throughout Europe right now. Definitely felt that way, especially like uh, Inner Solar in Munich, which was three it's, times the size of the U.S. version. Yeah, certainly interesting. I mean, they they're they're um, so, they seem so much more aware of what's going on as opposed to your average American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, well, anyway. I think I think I think I think so. At least the folks we were talking to. But of course, that was skewed by the fact that we had booked time with a whole bunch of folks that are really involved in the industry. Yeah, great stuff. <laughs> really amazing um, uh, interviews and discussions and uh, excited to bring that to to the show shortly. So let's jump into our housekeeping and get uh, rocking and rolling, Jay, okay? Real quick, let's go. Hey folks, this is the Solar Coaster. We're a new renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Ka'oi 1110 a.m. Also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. Got a great website, solar-coaster.com. Uh, you can go there and listen live. If you're out of our broadcast area, you can get all our old, old shows, more than 100 deep at this point. Uh, you actually can click on the YouTube live stream. I was just checking that. So, hi, guys. And um, 
just everything that we've ever done is pretty much out there. We're still uploading stuff from this this European trip. Uh, the most important thing on the website, though, really is if you scroll down a bit, there's a, there's a nice message box section. You can put in your name, email, and send us and send us a note. Uh, the purpose of this is, of course, you can ask questions, uh, get them on the air. If you do, if you can't call in for whatever reason, like today's show is pre-recorded, you can fill out your question. We will definitely get to you and get you the information you need to kind of navigate the whole solar and renewable energies space. Uh, make it make it part of your own world. Absolutely. So, hey, there's a great group of sponsors out there that have been keeping the solar coaster on the tracks for 107 glorious episodes. Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. Thank you very much to our sponsors. We're going to have a LG uh, Chem kind of inaugural sh inaugural show uh, shortly. Uh, I think probably in the tail end of the month uh, while uh, Lynn Tran is here uh, uh, on island and she's doing a lot of initiatives to get kind of front-facing to the community. So looking forward to having Lynn um, here and kind of getting in studio and and digging into what's going on with LG Chem. They certainly are doing some amazing things. We saw their booth at InterSolar Europe, and it was huge. Uh, and they had a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. Okay, so uh, this is a call-in show, folks. If you'd like to uh, reach us in the future when we are not pre-recorded, 808-242-7800 is the call-in line. Let's go over to our Pantech Design Minute. Welcome to this week's Pantech Design Minute. This week's focus, smart home lighting controls. Did you know that each and every home has an average 40 to 100 light fixtures? Added up, that can be a huge amount of energy. That's why your father always yelled at you to turn off the lights when you were a child. Children will always leave the lights on, even in the middle of the day. So what's the solution? Fortunately, in our automated energy future, we now have other options. Smart home systems know your schedule and the sunrise sundown time specific to the time of year. Occupancy sensors detect whether you are in a room or not and can take action accordingly without ever sending your personal data out over the internet. Programmable scenes configure your lighting for a bright night hosting friends for dinner or a subdued and quiet night at home with a movie. You can even have the systems play back your normal behavior while you're on vacation so it looks like someone's home. This already sounds like science fiction, but with the Pantech Design's ADAPT system, you can take it even one step further because ADAPT integrates your smart home systems with your solar and battery energy supply. Did you know that because your eyes adjust to varying lighting conditions, if you do it slowly enough, you can reduce ambient lighting in a room by more than 30% before anyone will ever notice the difference? And did you also know that because of the way they function, LED lighting takes a lot more power to get just a little brighter when fully on? Putting these two facts together, ADAPT can reduce the energy used by your lighting by more than half when necessary, extending your home's battery runtime or saving on your electric bill. Smart home energy management has matured Check out Pantech Design's ADAPT system at PantechDesign.com today. That's Pantech Design. Really excited to uh, continue to see uh, Pantech grow, and it's in, in its partnership with Sonin is also really exciting. Uh, so, you know, it's just uh, amazing uh, kind of stuff here. So, um, Well, that's, that's kind of what makes the whole system work, is that you have battery storage, it's smart enough to know what's going on, and can take action with or without you. So you don't, ha you don't have to set up um, your own system to do a whole bunch of wacky stuff. You don't have to do any programming, um, and you certainly don't have to sign into the app every 30 seconds to change something it will it will do things for you um, by some basic ground rules that you you set out when you first install it yeah I mean and also you know it's it's part of this family right Pantech design and their adapt software is part of this family with Sonin 
And what we saw over there in, in, in Germany, Jay, was pretty exciting. Uh, you know, we're talking about they have a different type of system over there, and we got really deep into what they're doing. I mean, I can just, when I, when I think about what would be an optimal system for a home to grow over time, it really starts to look like something like that, right? Because you have this opportunity to do not only the, you know, Sonin has their linear hot water heater. They also have their, uh, their car charging system, which is not quite V to H yet or vehicle to house yet, but it certainly could do that eventually, you know, by be bi-directional. And then you have all this great smart house equipment that Pantech Design is able to, you know, allow to communicate with that system. It's, it's just, it's kind of exactly where I, I, I hope to see it go a long time ago, and we're finally getting there. Okay. Absolutely. News, and news, news, news. News, news, news. <laughs> What's going on in the world, Jay, or right. outside of the world? Uh, right, right, right away. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of talk in the marketplace, in the pretty much all marketplace. With uh, this this particular heading uh, from Green Tech Media, Chinese solar inverters hit by latest U.S. Uh, trade tariff. Um, impact seen as muted is an interesting kind of kind of conversation. I mean, everybody's up in arms. Uh, this trade war with China is is taking uh, some significant turns. We're upping from 10% to 25% on all of these. Goods. And of course, inverters and and other electronics are going to be affected. Uh, it's it's frustrating because you see all this growth in solar and everything else, and yet and yet the largest producer. I mean, even even folks that are not you don't you don't think of as Chinese companies use components from China, and so they're affected by these tariffs. And of course, they're going to pass those costs on to you. Yeah, so the you know what's interesting about the inverter conversation is that the inverters are an area, and I remember hearing this in some of those um, those conferences I used to participate in, kind of like on every couple of months, where uh, it, you'd have twenty or thirty kind of people representing the um, the solar industry on a phone conversation from all different areas of the industry across the country, and they were talking about how inverters were one of the remaining hard costs that there was some room to be able to see some savings, and then a lot of the inverter mm-hmm. companies that were you know dominant players like uh, Enphase are kind of coming back up or uh, solar. Edge, who's quite dominant in the residential space right now, or I suppose uh, SMA and, and some of the other uh, Fronius and these guys that are doing, I think I would say that leans more towards commercial or, or off-grid in some circumstances. But in any case, all of these converter players, I think they had their eyes on uh, Huawei. I'm, I never pronounce it correctly. But, um, and, yep. and they're looking at, wow, could we get down? And this is in you know cents per watt, they, t- they tend to think in terms of, but a pretty significant dr- potential drop in inverter costs with, with this kind of, and Huawei is just a, a, apparently a, you know one of the Major electronics companies in so China. It's a juggernaut in electronics. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, start, they're starting, their news is starting to come out about these guys. They've actually contacted me in the past and I've spoken with them. Uh, to, they mm-hmm. were trying to understand the Hawaiian marketplace. So, you know, when you see a uh, 10% to 25%, that's a pretty significant delta. Uh, and I just got off the, the phone with a couple of uh, suppliers here and they're feeling it. They're the, well, the first ones to feel it because they get the pressure mm-hmm. the, to be able to stock up, you know, in advance of when they're going to need stock. And they're like, they did not sound happy. And we actually have a show uh, uh, invite in, and they're pretty happy to have a, that conversation. So we're going to hear about what's coming down the road, how this is going to impact things, um, and you know what, what kind of overall impact it'll have, whether they're going to be able to absorb part of that responsibility or not, and whether it's going to be passed on directly to the, you know, the end user. Yeah, and the worst thing, worst thing is at the end of this article, it asks, "Are batteries next?" And I think the answer to that is probably next. I mean, we again in Intrasolar in Europe, uh, we were we were faced with BYD for the very first time, oh which is goodness. a giant uh, battery company out of China. And if if the tariffs apply to battery technologies as well, you're going to see a, a big bump. And the, the big the nice thing about batteries is that the prices have been steadily falling. And if you, they add 25% tariff onto all of that, well, it's going to put a little bit of a, a pause on on the. Uh, 
um, it's, it just seems misplaced. On the battery rollout. It just seems misplaced. You know, it, we're, there's such uh, hard work going on out there to try to reduce costs. And yep. um, and then, of course, you know, tariffs are a national conversation. But climate change, what it's all about in our eyes, I think, is a, is a global conversation. It's not a tariff conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's not a, a national yep. concern. It's a global concern. And uh, we need batteries. The wind, the wind do does not respect your borders. Right? Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, BYD, that's a big yeah. one, too. We've got to have that conversation soon. So what's next, Jay? Are you going to go over to... Uh, uh, blockchain, or which uh, one do you want to handle? Uh, well, real quick, I want to talk about this Elmed Interconnector. I, I sent you this this morning, uh, and it's kind of something that I would I was talking about well, you were two talking years about ago. That, I remember uh, where, where we really wanted to see <clears throat> power from large uh, places in in, in uh, North Africa, uh, desert regions where there is tremendous amounts of sunshine, and leverage that somehow. I, my my end goal would be to be able to bottle the hydrogen and and ship it all over the place because hydrogen you can you can take and use. Um, over time. But um, European countries are now looking to uh, Algeria and Libya, interesting places, to um, roll out large solar farms and actually put up a, um, a large uh, a 600 megawatt link, so an actual cable uh, undersea between North Africa and Italy. North Africa and Italy. So this is an undersea yep. cable. Is that what we're hearing? Correct. Correct. Oh, geez, that's unbelievable. So What's an, the distance estimated, on that? estimated products cost of 600 million euros. That's about, it's closing in on, on 660 million U.S. dollars. 50% uh, would be uh, financed by the EU, and the rest would be shared uh, across the uh, the, the region's uh, power transmission transmission folks. Uh, but it's, it's just a tremendous uh, link between the two continents there and and it's kind of an interesting situation because they've had so many other issues with um immigrant immigration <laughs> i want to say immigration yeah sure um folks folks moving out of out of africa into into europe and not necessarily being the most welcome but it seems like they're going to if they tie um energy networks in this way they're going to be inextricably linked going forward that is kind of interesting because it changes the narrative a little bit, right? So if if, if you're in a situation where uh, uh, inexpensive energy is being brought in from a, a home country, uh, that's mm -hmm. a pretty like, it could be a potential like significant economic support for a, a more northern country. I mean, that's that's, that's a really interesting. I, I never thought about that. It kind of flips the script a little bit, right? Yeah, so, a little bit. And you'd hope that you'd hope the folks would be able to go back. I mean, obviously they they get some language skill while they're in Europe, but maybe they can go back, bring this kind of um, knowledge and business to the region, enrich everybody's lives, and then they don't necessarily have to flee. All right. Wow. This is uh. This is yeah. Right. There could be a uh, uh, some bolstered kind of job sector stuff happening as well based on the, the deployment. I, I would hope so. I'd like to. I'd like to see that. That's an interesting um, interaction real between quick, worlds. Real, yeah. Yeah, real, real quick, I want to talk about NSYNC. Now, NSYNC, we've talked about uh, a number of times on the show. They worked with, um, what was it, Holu, Holu Energy? Holu, um, Holu yeah. Holu, Holu Energy um, on a number of projects throughout the state. Uh, unfortunately, they are um, file, made an 8K filing back in uh, in March and are now going through Chapter 128 bankruptcy. I didn't know there were that many chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 128 bankruptcy uh, has gone into receivership. So although they were, I mean, they were they were doing some fantastic projects. I'm really sorry to see these guys not make it. 
Well, you know, what's interesting here is, of course, we've had Ted Peck on air, and he is the uh, the president, uh, perhaps the CEO of Holu Ho, which is a mm-hmm. kind of, I think that means, the whole, uh, the word ho is a, uh, it means like the, a new version of or a fresh start, and uh, forgive me if I didn't get that right. quite right. But the, um, so, so Ted is out there basically, uh, you know, Picking up the, um, the 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 staffing and the business and fo- moving it forward, and he's doing some really amazing things. I'm actually having an opportunity to work with him presently. Well, that's that's, that's Holu's stuff, but this is the NSYNC's network. Now, NSYNC owns uh, a number of large PPAs across the state. Uh, the first solar plus storage PPA in the in in the state was actually done by NSYNC in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, they own the uh, what is it? The the projects included the um, 336 kilowatt rooftop solar PV and 122-kilowatt-hour battery storage system for Kona Brewery, which really kind of means a lot in our lives. Yeah, they, but <laughs> because, they, they started because, because that. Because beer. Yeah, totally. Uh, they, they've done that, a huge amount of work. They started that peer-to-peer energy trading uh, project for the low-income housing complex, and then and they're doing – well. I'm actually learning about that technology right now through TED. So what's what's neat is that that's, a, that's kind of a very specific kind of proprietary uh, tech pack and strategy that they have and that is going to continue to move forward forward. So it looks to me like there's some shifting around of this, but I think that there's... there's yeah, the, ass, the assets are up in receivership, like I said, but they don't... Yeah. NSYNC does not expect to re- maintain any of them, right. uh, which is unfortunate. Um, okay. Let's go to uh, Julia really quick so she can report on her uh, strike. What's going on, Julia? <laughs> uh, so there's a climate strike happening all around the world, and they're mm-hmm. also here in Hawaii, so there's... Some in Honolulu, in Hilo, and there's one here in Maui at the Maui College campus at four. And basically, people are just going to go and protest to. Um, they're focusing on urging Hawaii's congressional delegation to support the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. And it'll hopefully be peaceful. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Um, yeah, so it's really cool, and it's global, and lots of students, people I know, are going to be going. So. It's it's amazing how Hawaii is kind of center center of the conversation. It's you know Julia, um, you know how do you feel about it? I mean, given that the last it's so hot right now, do you feel like that is an indic- indicator? Is that an indicator of what's going on? I mean, and then also when we were in, in, in traveling, we saw that the the highest carbon um, reading had been taken from uh, was it uh, Ouch. Yeah. Mauna Kea, uh, like four hundred fifty ish or four fifteen parts per million carbon. We've got two minutes left, yet, guys. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you feel like it's we have a responsibility? to be out there or what are you what are you what are you thinking well i feel like hawaii is i feel like we'll get expect, affected by it um a lot because we're close to the ocean and right. we have a lot of uh, endangered species here and endemic species and stuff and all yeah. that all that'll be effective so it's really important for us to take action 100 percent. so you'll be out there with some of so your you, friends so you're, yeah you're, you're urging everybody to come out yeah yeah, come, Absolutely. Come yeah, give, give me that address again. Where is it going to be? Um, the Maui College campus at 4 p.m. Okay, there okay. you go. We can go and uh, support the Green New Deal. Um, I want to dig a little bit more into that. Maybe we'll get AOC on the air or Bernie one of these days and be able to really shake the tree uh, out here and uh, on, on that conversation. So, all right, I think we're uh, about ready to wrap up. we got another minute right here. We'll, we'll get one last one, Jay. Which one do you want to just touch on? Um, this is this is an interesting conversation. The Lunar Gold Rush is about to start. Um, on Business Insider is the name of the the, the name of the article. Um, yeah. Lunar Gold Rush. Uh, there's a large paper specifically written to urge us to limit our um, 
mining of natural resources across the solar system as it as it comes as we come of age and we start this era of of space uh, research and colonization I don't know, colonization but settlement um, the doubling time that they talk about is it means that it's going to take like 400 years for us to really get to 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 a point where we get one eighth of the resources harvested mm-hmm. but then a Again, after that, it would only take uh, 60 years to use up all remaining resources in the entire solar system. And if we did that, we'd be in real trouble because there's <laughs> not just the Earth, but also the solar system, <laughs> the entire solar system. So, so, so on the progr- on the projected track, 460 years after 400 years, we, we've kind of reached okay. eight, the, the one eighth part. And then the next 60 years, we just mine everything out and Very we've got good. nothing left within within our within our reach. We'll take it from there, Jay. Really we gotta we gotta, we gotta wrap it um, so yeah let's not let's not expend all the solar systems resources people okay here we go we're going yes, to commercials <laughs> come back with Joel Solomon Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management unifying solar energy production intelligent energy storage and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of light shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. Okay, so we're here uh, uh, with Joel Solomon. Uh, this is a really amazing fellow, and I'm so excited to speak with him. He's the author of The Clean Money Revolution, but also uh, you've done a lot of amazing things, Joel. Uh, you know, Can you hear me okay there? I can. Okay, well, welcome to the Solar Coaster. We're really excited to talk with you. Um, you know, in my kind of very uh, simple understanding of what you do, you're an impact investor or a visionary in the financial world talking about how money is changing. And I really, uh, I don't really, you know, we talk about solar, we talk about renewable energies, we talk about the new energy economy. That whole kind of world is is big for our listeners here in Maui in the Solar Coaster. But uh, understanding um, the, the this notion of the clean money revolution and the world that you're in, it's kind of new to us. So maybe you can uh, kind of start right at the beginning and give us a sense of who you are and you know how you got to where this position that you're at right now. First of all, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I started out in Tennessee in 1954. That's when I was born. But I grew up through the. Therefore, I grew up through the 60s and all of the questions and turbulence of that time. 
And uh, to keep the story short, eventually I moved to British Columbia, Canada, to have uh, to work on an opportunity to experiment with deploying significant capital for what I think of as social change investing, okay. or uh, using money in all the different ways you can across different sectors to affect change. So I was I was uh, uh, tasked to strategize, vision, strategize, and implement that. So I spent uh, 14 years investing in lots of sustainable companies, uh, helping support leadership development and inner skills work, deploying philanthropic cap- capital into the environmental movement in British Columbia, and ultimately uh, working in public policy and politics to try to move the needle there. I want to mention that last part because I'm very proud of the fact that an entrepreneur who was an organic smoothie producer named Gregor Robertson with his partner Randall Eas started an apple juice-based analog to Odwalla, which Mm -hmm. was orange juice-based at the time, to bring the... Uh, the uh, to get into the bellies of children in this region with healthy microbiological injections of local fruit and vegetables. And uh, he went on to get frustrated enough with environmental issues that we got into politics, uh, in city politics in Vancouver. He, r- he ran with a majority of center-left and green coalition and governed for a decade with two central things. One was climate, and the second was reconciliation with indigenous people, that here in Western Canada in particular is, is very much on the surface. So I'm very proud of that, but what happened is that Vancouver became a leading climate action city globally. And Gregor has recently, like this week, just announced that he is, I'm not going to get this title right, but he is global ambassador for an international coalition of mayors in the Global Climate Compact. And I told that long story here for you, or squeezed in a fairly long one, just to say that this is the idea of what can happen when you use money in multiple different ways and can create constituency, uh, uh, build models, and then actually lead and govern and show how to make it happen. Wow, there is a lot in that, and thank you so much for that uh, that explanation. It's really interesting that you mentioned the uh, the title at the end of that that, that bit. There was uh, the, the international representative for the uh, a compact of mayors. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, it's the global compact. It's it's the global climate compact of mayors. Global climate so, compact of mayors, because I know that the um, a lot of the um, the initiative that's being taken across the country right now, and I, t- I tend to think in terms of not only the world and in terms of climate change, but also very specifically about what's happening in the United States. And I see these um, that mayors are are, are are making these major impacts, are make are these major kind of commitments to uh, to renewable energy adoption, and because of climate change, and also because of the the economic Im- impacts of using fossil fuels in their communities, right, and also the externalities. So we start to see leadership taking hold, um, you know, at the kind of uh, at the, the at the granular level all throughout the country uh, at this moment right. right now. So he's a he's a big part of that, huh? Yeah, and we would like to think that that was all philosophical and that local's important, and it is. But this really has to do with the scale of political systems now and the increasing inability to move major issues through them. We also, I don't have to go into detail about this, but say that there is a political crisis globally, along with an 
justice crisis and an ecology crisis mm-hmm. that puts us all a little bit either on the back of our heels or let's jump in and be leaders and move towards the economy that we really need and particularly the energy economy we need. And so there is, it is increasingly important that local jurisdictions step up, be stronger, smarter, do better, and set policies through building codes, through uh, setting Absolutely. goals like Vancouver set out as to be 100% renewable by one of the decades. I'm sorry I don't have that detail, mm-hmm. but it's, more, it's aspirational. And also has done a lot with building codes and green building issues and all kinds of things to be ready for climate resilience and to try to shift the energy economy as quickly as we can. Yeah, it's uh, we're definitely seeing uh, these types of um, precedents being set at the community, their mayoral level, and the go- and the governor level in the states. Uh, and then there's almost this kind of game of one-upsmanship happening with renewable energy mandates. Have you seen that? Uh, you know, across the country over the course of the last, you know, and, and I know in the United States it happens to be Governor Ige, who was I think among the first, if not the first, governor to uh, create the renewable energy uh, uh, mandate, 100% renewable energies by 2045 in Hawaii. But right. since then, we've seen, uh, you know, California and New York and then cities like, you know, in Maryland and all and, and all these just they're just percolating. It's a wonderful kind of uh, a trend to see happening. And it's, it's like they're getting even more uh, more ambitious. So it's not just renewable energies anymore. It's also uh, decarbonized, uh, uh, you know, energy economies. And they're, they're kind of adding bits to it to make it more and more exciting. So do you feel like that has right. legs? Are we moving in a good direction? Are you optimistic or? I, I, well, let's put it this way. Uh, if I'm logical about it. I'm somewhat pessimistic, but in my heart and on the ground and the things that I'm involved in, I still believe that it's possible. And this kind of competition that you're talking about is exactly the right kind of healthy competition. Who can do better Mm. faster? Not who can win more and who can, uh, you know, own everything faster. Who can do better faster? This is great. This is great. And one of the things that uh, that got me excited about the type of language you were using, uh, and I think that language is at its core, too, is you'd come up with some great phrases. You had, like, billionaire of love, right? I, I saw that in one of your podcasts, and I thought, what a great concept. Because, uh, you know, we, we're, we're kind of, um, I, I don't know, I think we grew up in an environment where we're lauding the benefits of these billionaires and these people who are accumulating massive wealth. And then, of course, there's, on, on the other side of that, you know, you it's, it, what is the, what is the, the what is the value of sitting on billionaires? Billions and billions of, of dollars, right? It's like if you can't put that to some good use. So, um, do you feel like there's a, a, this motivational change, or there's some kind of a, a change in the way we view uh, how, what we accumulate or what we do over time? I mean, is that what you're talking about with the economy? The changes in the it economy? Is. It is. We have to have different motivations and different goals. And when I talked about the billionaire love kind of strategy, it's pointless to become a multi-billionaire and then double that and then double that. And people will say, well, I'm, I'm going to give away. That's because I'm going to give away money. Well, when are you going to do it? And why don't you get started? And, and you know, you should start yesterday. Right. So capitalism is a very powerful force, and it can be used for good. And so can money. Money is the same kind of thing. But we've gotten distracted from that. I believe that we need a spiritual evolution right now that understands that money comes from some kind of extraction from people and places. That's going to have to happen in order to support people on the planet. But we cannot do it recklessly. We must be more innovative. We must invent better ways to do society, basically. We're talking about energy buildings, transportation, food, soil, all, all of it. And so, so we have to get off of the idea 
that the only highest purpose is who can make the most money or how do I make massive amounts of money. It feels good. Success is a wonderful thing. It's ego gratifying. But who, who, is the, who is the billionaire of philanthropy? Who's the billionaire of good deeds? Who are the billionaires of love? I say love because that is the energy upon which humans actually thrive. It's love of planet, love of life, love of family, love of the future. Those ethics might help us. At simple, com- simple statements like that might give us places and things to head towards and a way to guide ourselves. And I needed that for my own development. It was very confusing in the 60s as industrial revolution and or industrial advances coming out of the industrial revolution and capitalism were intersecting towards just rapacious, rampant, exploit as fast and hard as we can. And we now know that that's getting us in trouble. We have the ingenuity to shift that. It's time to do it. We need to re-feminize, re-indigenize, and and, and, uh, inclusivize our whole economy. And we're talking about this is a money-making opportunity if we need to make money and want to make money. There's plenty of prosperity. This isn't about uh, suffering. We can invest in the future clean economy, and there'll be plenty of economic activity. And if we do it smart and distribute it better, we might get a soft landing for civilization before it's too late. Wow, there's so much in there that I want to unpack. I'm not even sure where to begin. So the the it, that's really exciting uh, type of language. And and when we when we think about this uh, this notion of the 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 of, what about energy? I mean, what can you tell me about the our our area here? This the, I mean, when we think about renewable energy, that's probably a great example, right? Of a type of of a type of investment or a type of um, of, of economic activity that has some pretty overt uh, benefits for society. Maybe that's a little bit more visible for a lot of people than some of the other kind of aspects, which might take a little time to understand. You said yourself, sure. it took you a while to untangle this, right? And yeah, right. so, so it, it, maybe energy is a good way to kind of start to show uh, how it's different or uh, renewable energies or something like that. Can you give us a sense of what your take is on the prospects yeah. of renewable energies to, to make an impact or maybe even model some of these other, how these other industries can shift in that direction? The first thing I'll say is almost everybody on the planet is using energy every day. We have to make energy something that is non-destructive or low destruction, low damage. How we create it, how we use it. So there's one end of the scale, which is about waste. Don't waste this precious magical stuff. The other end of the scale is how do we make it more efficient, more effective, more accessible to people. Technology and human ingenuity is a powerful, powerful tool. Both of those are powerful tools. We needed to put our minds to how do we create an energy system for the planet which is distributed, accessible, and low cost. And the more that we shift the infrastructures, you, you know, it, in, the, in the islands where you are, it's so stark because you've got to ship diesel fuel in from somewhere. God knows where it came from, who got mm-hmm. damaged along the mm-hmm. way, and then what's the environmental impact when it gets there and everybody's got to breathe it. You've got to build dirty, you know, dirty energy uh, distribution. But meanwhile, you've got you got an infinite amount of sun, basically. So why in the world would we not build a renewable energy infrastructure that takes care of Hawaii? Uh, and why don't we do that everywhere? We can. We should. There's enough money. 
there's enough ingenuity. There's a huge market for it. Absolutely. And we're seeing a real uptick in renewable energy deployments. And we're already at, uh, you know, our renewable energy portfolio standard right now, our RPS is something like 27%. We're ahead of our milestones at the moment as a state. And, you know, we're starting to see great uptick because uh, uh, we're in this environment where kind of this next stage of renewable energy deployment where we're using energy storage a lot. We're talking about all this cutting edge technology. And I think that we're going to see a very aggressive uh, movement towards 100% renewables here in Hawaii. And that could be potentially be a you know inspirational thing for some other environments. Let me ask you about a specific type of question because I'm hearing people talk about renewable energies and the new energy economy as opportunity to make money. You said something interesting. When you want to make money, if that's your goal, right? Which is an interesting statement that you said. Then, um, then this 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 sector seems to have the potential to. And I can quote some of the other impact investors and people out there discussing this, but to be the breakaway opportunities, right? And a lot of it has to do with this discussion of externalities and pricing yeah. carbon, right? So you have these right. these types of technologies right now, that pencil kind of where you're at with against diesel, right? In certain scenarios, uh, whether it's the mining industry or whether it's these mic island microgrids or environments where it's kind of difficult to get fuel to, these technologies are penciling well presently. But once you start to uh, address the externalities uh, that, these, that the fossil fuel business uh, relies upon for its profits, then it could have like a massive uh, shift, I, I guess, in value or in, in the opportunity for these companies. What's your thoughts there? True cost accounting. Who is actually paying at the other end of all this stuff? What are the costs of the side effects, the uh, externalities of uh, uh, human health, uh, food systems, species extinctions, climate impacts, all of the things I don't need to repeat more of. People yeah. get that. And if you do true cost accounting and you shift where the incentives are in society, Fossil fuel industry has been subsidized for years and years. It may happen through road building. It may happen through building power lines. It may happen through mm -hmm. building ports, mm -hmm. pipelines. All kinds of infrastructure gets supported by governments and has gotten. And I, I will forgive every. I, I'll, I'll be. I'll take the attitude that people were innocent and and burning coal in cities kept everyone warm. And sure. They, and you couldn't. There was only, you cut down all the forest and then you go to coal. And. So people were doing the best they could, and people are always going to do the best they can to take care of their families, themselves, secondly, generally, but they want to put a roof over their head, they want to have food, and they want to be warm and, uh, and have light to uh, do all the things that, that that brings to modernity. So if we simply change to a less damaging and a more holistic type of energy, sure, that sounds very dreamy, but it's being proven in jurisdiction after jurisdiction. And we are going to light the world with solar rather than coal. Now, and, and, you know, we can debate all the different kinds of energy. But the problem is there's a lot of quick, easy money to be made by those other concentrated energy sources and forms. And there are industries built around them. So it doesn't change easily. But enthusiasm of individuals me getting my home on less dependency on the grid and yeah. less dependency on long-term way energy, it just makes common sense. There are still, there's still issues with this cleaner energy. There's mining. There's, there's uh, side, toxic side effects of some of that mining. Like, there are people like cobalt, their wages. for example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, there's all, kind, there's all kinds of things, and we have to continually do better. I was born with under 3 billion people on the planet. There are... We're almost at eight billion soon. Some, of, many of the listeners are going to see ten billion people 
okay, so ingenuity and capitalism and and uh, brain power and all of that is going to uh, solve a lot of it, probably, hopefully. Will it be done in a fair and just way? Will society stay stable as more and more as as fewer people get safe and protected, and a mass number of people just get left to basically struggle and suffer? Not a good formula. Let's get smarter people. You know, I, 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 I was thinking about this specific thing about global population recently and reading through uh, some of these articles about this. And, and apparently some of the original, um, some of the, I suppose, um, statisticians or people that are discussing this are starting to revise their earlier ideas about this kind of, you know, really a very aggressive ramp. And they're talking about, and I bring it up for a reason, because it, I think it has to do with how the, how the developing world addresses uh, energy and the infrastructure development. And right. so if you see, for example, the opportunity to support the developing world, bring in renewable energies, which is so foundational for, for a developing economy, right? And then um, uh, provide uh, more opportunities and see better education and see, you know, there's all these great things happening out there, but really scale that up. What, hap- what tends to happen with people, apparently, is that they see more opportunity and they tend to have less children, <laughs> right? That's right. So there's this great opportunity to do one with the other, right? To bring bring out this That's technology, right. deploy it, uh, help uh, see societies, you know, thrive and grow faster, and then actually simultaneously address to some degree, we don't know how much, this, this issue of uh, overpopulation that's scary. That's scaring us, right? That's right. And for example, and I'm I, I, I'm too old to remember all the facts correctly, so, <laughs> no but worries. I'm going to be close here. There's a billion people in Africa. They're yeah. saying within a, a few decades there's going to be two billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a there, there's not a, a grid built for everything. There are not pipelines built yeah. for everything. Yes, China and other countries are in there building highways and pipelines and infrastructure as fast as they can. <clears throat> but we need, and we are getting more and more uh, low-tech, solar, small-scale. Uh, uh, what's the um, like way Mike? to uh, get cellular to to people? Right. Uh, people can uh, set up with little solar collectors in their village with a plug for the iPhone, and people all of a sudden yeah. in the modern era for you know uh, it's nickels and dimes sometimes. And we just need. I mean, first of all, there's government policy. That's a problem. It's influenced heavily by concentrated interests that are making a lot of money on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there is a kind of grassroots uh, common sense thing that as prices come down, more and more people are going to be doing the right moves for their energy. Yeah, yeah. Do you I, now? Do you feel that? Um, do you agree with that concept that the breakout? opportunities over the next couple of decades are these types of clean tech companies and things that are, they almost have these align, they're aligning the interests, right? It's like you can want to make money, you want to make profit, you want to yes. create these technologies that uh, that usher this kind of new energy economy forward. I mean, are you yeah. a- ambitious that those types of bets, if I can call them that, I don't know if that's a good word, yeah. but if be- those bets are going to be the ones that are going to win and then further kind of encourage and snowball this type of uh, concept? Are we going to go from a concept of impact investment because it's good for us to impact investment because that's where I can make money? So two things. Uh, We haven't mentioned yet that I'm actually in the business as a a mission venture capitalist, and we invest in organic foods and environmental technologies. So we're more in the uh, creation of new building materials that are greener and cleaner, uh, software and gadgets that might uh, help 
manage energy systems and demand loads and traffic emissions control and things like that because we need all of this uh, down into yeah. you know every system that that happens on the planet. So we collect money from uh, in, uh, individual individuals, families, charitable foundations, and wealth management firms, and we put it together basically in venture capital, but venture capital that's meant to do as much good as it can in the world while making a reasonable uh, return for the investors. So that's my day job, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we've invested in 30 companies, and uh, we're pushing towards – I'm sorry, we're in 21 companies, but we've now raised the money to invest in another 10, and we are leaning further and further towards the uh, – uh, technology and <clears throat> the environmental technology side and, and, and energy-related things, partially because food, there is uh, endless innovation, but not, not the kind of innovation that there is now in technology. Mm-hmm. And so we're rebalancing, uh, moving from majority around food and now majority to this uh, environmental side. And so that's a day job, and uh, it's real, and we went into it to prove that you could make a decent return, a, a good return, and invest this way. That's renewalfunds.com if you want to look at it. But the uh, second part of the story I I want to say has to do, again, with how Vancouver has been shifting building codes, incentives, investments itself, requiring different types of energy, more passive homes. I think we might be the largest – we're building passive high-rises now. People are qualifying for passive here. And it's driven by good government policy, building codes, et cetera. Incentives for uh, density, you, you, you put in more density and you get, uh, I mean, you put in good energy practices in your building and you get more density. So you have car shares and you have plug-ins and you have bike uh, infrastructure yeah. in there and et cetera. So if your intention is to crack this nut, and you're able to you're strong enough that you can push back against the uh, kind of invisible lobbying uh, and and infrastructure for more uh, dirty energy to be built um, it's not that hard this is this is we're past the oh, is this possible right. we're now in the battleground of which philosophy is going to succeed. Very interesting. So, okay, we're already in this space where uh, this this investments are happening in this space, and where this the, this technology we know it's going to it's going to become the future. Let me ask you about some of those. I think you had said invisible lobbying for the maybe the status quo, right? Are you looking at these kind of um, these big fossil fuel companies? Let's say like Royal Dutch Shell, for example, that is making all these renewable energy bets, but at the same time, there's this dialogue going on that they're still lobbying for anti-climate uh, policies. You know, how, how do you? What's your read on that kind of a thing? Because I'm seeing it in different different stages right now throughout the uh, the world. It's insidious. I'll gi- I'll give you uh, a, a tangible example. I'm I'm from Tennessee, and I also uh, I do business and 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 am involved uh, through partnerships, and regularly go to Nashville, Tennessee, where mm-hmm. I do things. Nashville is in the South. It's not you know, the cities are progressive in the South, but the states are not so progressive. Um, a good mayor gets in, creates a, a new transit plan. We're going to actually build out mass transit because of all the reasons that I don't need to explain here. Mm-hmm. The Koch brothers, who many know of if they follow politics and these kinds of issues, but let, I'll, I'll shift away from just naming them and I'll just sure. say there are forces that are organizing to do lobbying and trainings and affect universities and the education system all on a different philosophy than we're talking about here today. They actually, when a city puts a referendum up, to do mass transit, they will go in and lobby and spend a lot of money to defeat that. Mm-hmm. 
because they're protecting fossil fuels. They, uh, were, they, they are, are investors in those industries. They also elect politicians. And without, <laughs> without any need to name names, we in the U.S. and many other countries right now, I said there was political crisis, and there really is. And I'm not going to go off on a sure. long diatribe about that. I'll just say there are people organizing systematically with lots of money to be sure that, from my point of view, the wrong people get in power whose morals and ethics don't care about these issues and are going ahead and keeping the kind of old economy alive as long as they can in order to benefit from it. That is actually – ignore politics at your peril, folks. Be careful. Right. Be pragmatic enough. Winning is pretty important. Being right is nice, but we're in a pragmatic time here. And if we don't get out and vote and support candidates that care and things like that, this is this is uh, kind of suicidal. Behavior. So I hear a, I hear a bit of pessimism in your voice, and I'm very interested to explore that. Um, but I do want to yeah. ask you one thing. I want just your opinion yeah. about you when you're describing these kinds of um, characters or companies or lobbies that are are are, are moving in a different direction. I find it yeah. hard to logically understand that position. Uh, so if we know that we're living in this world and we and it's and we're pretty certain that climate change is happening and we're you know we are also in the same boat so to speak, right? I guess to share that from Elon Musk, that he uses that metaphor yeah. from time to time. Then how how could they how could that decision be? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a naive question, but how, how can that decision be made to to try to you know fight for the status quo when the status quo is suicide? I mean, <laughs> you know, M- money is intoxicating. Is that what it is? And 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 with enough money, you lose track of what really matters. Okay. And you you just get you get kind of drunken on it, and you go to the orgy stage. And there's a kind of a competition, and where do you get validated in the world? Well, everybody kind of worships the people that make billions of dollars, and they are the titans of our times. Now, it doesn't make common sense, except if you look at the actual um, regulations and uh, capital structures and what's going on out in the marketplace. So there's a huge infrastructure invested in a prior energy uh, uh, strategy on the planet. Okay. It came. It came innocently, I believe. First, we burned down all the forest. You know, we cut it, cut down all the forests, and burned it, and then we harvested the coal and po- right. poisoned ourselves. And then we figured out oil. And then we uh, didn't think about climate or didn't know. And now we're dealing with that uh, nuclear. You know, all of the existing concentrated energy forms have challenges to them. Solar and renewables will have some challenges. I believe that they're way less. They're way. Uh, they're 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 distributable better. They can create more equality. They can make life better with less damage. So maybe another 50 or 100 years, we'll find another energy source that will even replace that one and be cleaner, better, more accessible, more fair. But right now, we're in crisis created by greed and greed and selfishness. Greed and selfishness. Uh, I don't believe so, so. That's where the pessimism comes from. Is there are there there is one part of human nature that can really get one down. And again, I won't go into a long thing about it. But there's very uh, there's a lot of different dimensions where that shows up. Why does it show up? I think it's because of lack of love, yeah. lack of self love, lack of a sense of the wonder of life. 
what causes people to get that way? We will have to go into these psychological, emotional, and spiritual understandings in order really to solve this. No, it won't just happen through a better technology. That's 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 fascinating, and and I really agree with you. I I, I th I'm thinking right now about uh, a concert here in Maui, maybe a few years ago. I think it might have been at an Earth Day festival, and it was this um, the singer Makana, who's a kind of famous guy out here in Hawaii. You should listen to him if you have an opportunity. Really beautiful okay. music, and he uh, said that the um the, it's the difference between this concept of abundance and, and artificial scarcity. He said yeah. that people make the, the these these status quo kind of industries and lobbies and groups make you feel that things are scarce. And in actuality, there's an abundance of wonderful things in our lives. And that uh, if you're made to feel scarce, then those kind of greed and selfish emotions can kind of be stoked, and then the cycle begins. And, I, and, and um, I'm really, uh, really appreciative of, uh, of, of these ideas that you've shared with us, Joe. i got to tell you, I, I've definitely learned uh, a fair amount in this short conversation. It's very dense, and I really, really, really appreciate it. So, um, hey, if people would like to get in touch with you, where can they find find you and then how do they get to know more about you so it's joel solomon that's all those and the solomon i'm i'm on the major social medias under my name so if you want you can find me there secondly joelsolomon.org is a website that's about my money my book the clean money revolution reinventing power purpose and capitalism so check that out there's lots of interviews blog uh, blogs and uh, uh, various other uh, uh, information and things like this this radio show there and then secondly renewalfunds.com is the investment entity uh, we have to limit ourselves somewhat geographically we have certain issues we can focus on there's all kinds of criteria but look at the website even if you're not uh, someone that's going to end up there you can learn a, a decent amount about how that that thing works and I want to finish with one key question we have to ask ourselves regularly how much is enough how much is enough? There are some places where we're going to answer infinite, and I'd answer that about love. There's no too much love. How much money do we accumulate? What does it do to us through that accumulation? There is too much money to have in one hand, one person's hand. And, there's, and, and so if we can, that's a, that's a basic spiritual principle, really. There is enough in the universe for everything we need, but hoarded and concentrated, it can really cause damage. There you have it, folks. Uh, how much is enough? So this has been uh, uh, The Solar Coaster. We are sponsored by Pantech Design, Sundrum Solar, and LG Chem. It's been a real privilege, Joel. Thank you so much for your time. Aloha Friday, folks.